and good evening. Welcome to the Sea Report for Friday, March 12th, 2021. I hope you all are doing well and you guys are ready for a little bit of news to get into the weekend before we can put our feet up and wait for the Monday rush. All right, ladies and gentlemen, don't forget the Sea Report is brought to you by Q&A Holes Podcast, where you can visit us at qandaholespodcast.com where you can find out more about our programming or visit us at Spreaker. And uh, there you can download our shows or just subscribe on any of your favorite podcast players. And you will always be in the know for what we guys got going on here at Q&A Holes Podcast. Now, back on to the C-Report. All right, let's just hop into the news today. Try and stick to it before I start going off onto Lord knows what. Okay, <clears throat> all right, so let's see what we got up starting on the C report for Friday. Uh huh. Okay, so <clears throat> it looks like um, a gentleman by the name of Rick Scott, who is the chairman of the National Republican Senatorial Committee. Do you kind of remember us uh, talking about the uh, Senatorial Committee the other day? Um, whenever we were talking about... Sorry, guys, I didn't mean to flash Cuomo at you already. But we were talking about uh, how Trump was like, Hey! Senatorial National Committee. Republican. People. You can't use my face no more. You cannot use my name no more. Okay, well... This dude is the chairman of this organization, Rick Scott, as pictured here. And uh, apparently, yesterday, he had a meeting with Donald Trump. Um, some of the things that were discussed at this meeting, candidate recruitment for the 2022 election, and also uh, what it would take to get Trump's support, and also finding the best candidate for the midterm elections. So I guess uh, they are, or were... Um, they were, uh, what do you call it? <laughs> they were battle gaming. They were brainstorming, I guess you could say. Uh, in uh, an article from the Miami Herald, uh, in an interview, Scott said he'll tell Trump their interests are aligned when he visits him this week. I want to be an additive. I want us to row the boats in the same direction, Scott said to the Miami Herald. My goal is to tell the former president what I'm doing. I've talked to him and he tells me he wants to be helpful to me. He's committed to Republicans taking back a majority in the U.S. Senate. But Trump's own message undercuts Scott's position that requires him to defend incumbent GOP senators in a tweet style statement. Trump vowed to travel to Alaska to defeat Senator Lisa Murkowski one of seven Republican senators who voted to convict Trump during his second impeachment, but the only one who is on the ballot in 2022. So it sounds like uh, Trump is definitely going to be headed to uh, <laughs> Alaska to confront this woman. Uh, I guess she would maybe, maybe she's the one who held up the, the, the votes by 50% in Alaska. Population 300,000 or something like that, right? They couldn't figure out how many people voted. Anyways, uh, let's see. Uh, 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 on the topic of supporting incumbents, Republicans currently control 50 United States Senate seats, but do not control the chamber after President Joe Biden's victory. 
and two runoff elections in Georgia won by Democrats ensured that Vice President Kamala Harris can cast tie-breaking votes, which she has already. The opposing party of the president typically performs well in midterm elections. The Republicans don't have an incumbent running in six of the ten competitive races. Scott reiterated that he will defend all GOP incumbents from his NRSC perch, which largely relies on raising millions to fund TV ads and campaign infrastructure in competitive races. Politics and policy in the Sunshine State... Uh, let's see. Oh, so I guess they're talking about Florida because this is where Rick Scott is from after all. But Scott said the NRSC under his watch would be different in one respect. It wouldn't get involved in Republican Senate primaries, noting that every Republican endorses my opponent during his first gubernatorial race that he won in 2010. I don't have a plan on getting involved in primaries in open seats, Scott said. I'm going to support all incumbent senators. I'm very comfortable that voters will choose good candidates. Mar-a-Lago meetings have become commonplace for GOP officials seeking to stay in Trump's good graces. The two House Republican uh, minority Leader Kevin McCarthy and Whip Steve Scalise have also ventured to Mar-a-Lago along with South Carolina uh, Senator Lindsey Graham. Scott's Mar-a-Lago meeting was first reported by the Washington Post, yet others who aren't seen as Trumpy enough are told to stay away, notably former UN ambassador and potential 2024 candidate, uh, presidential candidate, Nikki Haley. Good luck with that, Nikki. Um, let's see, uh, they are still focused on Washington. So far, Trump has mostly focused his attention on Washington and has weighed in on Florida races like Senator Mark Rubio's and Governor Ron DeSantis' 2022 re-election bids. But he did tell donors to steer their money to save, uh, I'm sorry, to his Save America PAC. No more money for rhinos, Republicans in name only, Trump said in his March 8th statement. They do nothing but hurt the Republican Party and our voting base, they will never lead us to greatness. A day later, his message softened somewhat to clarify that he fully supports groups like the NRSC, though it doesn't have the right to use his likeness to raise money. But the back and forth, much like his presidency, keeps supporters like Scott on their toes. I fully support the Republican Party and important GOP committees, but I do not support rhinos and fools, and it is not their right to use my likeness or image to raise funds, Trump said in one of his statements. So much money is being raised and completely wasted by people that do not have the GOP's best interests in mind. And we know that some of these organizations, notwithstanding the NRSC, have a shot back at um, Trump saying that it is their First Amendment right to use his likeness as a public figure to raise that money. But I think what's more important here is that Trump is drawing that optical line for people to see that these individuals are two-faced. They are using him and his likeness to raise money. But again, like he said, it's going to ends that in no way support America First or the policies that President Trump has put into position to benefit the American people and the United States as a country itself. So I guess we'll see what happens with that. And uh, um, at the time of this report, uh, I had not located any more updated information in regards to what 
President Trump and this gen, uh, this uh, individual Rick Scott spoke about, but uh, those were all um, those were all uh, uh, some of the ideas that uh, he had professed to talk about with Trump prior to their meeting. All right, let's see what else we have in the news for you today. Oh, who did? Oh, I think this is supposed to come later. Oh, no, 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 but it's coming now. Okay, so some of you people are probably like, who are these individuals? Here, let me blow it up just so you can see it a little bit more. Okay, so uh, here we have um, uh, in the left-hand corner with the... Uh, I'm not going to describe what those uh, shapes look like to me, but this gentleman in the top, your left-hand corner looking at the screen... Uh, uh, that would be um, the Prime Minister of India. Uh, his name is Narendra Modi. And then uh, directly below him would be the Prime Minister of Japan. That is uh, Yoshihide Suga. Uh, to his left, our right, would be the Australian Prime Minister, Scott Morrison. And in a grimace of pain or perhaps just confusion... President-select Joe Biden. Okay, so who are these individuals? These individuals are the Quad Nation. They are the Quad Nation who uh, had a virtual meeting recently uh, to discuss many a thing, including China, 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 China. And uh, I don't know, I think, uh, I think illegitimate Joe walks a very slippery slope when it comes to the likes of China because, after all, uh, China's his biggest supporter, and um, he's probably their bottom bitch. And uh, he has to act a certain way. Now, I mean, it's like whenever uh, he had this conversation with Xi Jinping, and uh, the topic of uh, the atrocities that are happening with the genocide of the Uyghur Muslims over in China, and uh, the way they are being treated it is definitely a crime against humanity that is being reported by all types of agencies. But Biden condones it as a cultural difference that um, Xi Jinping will have to understand why he appears to go hard on him. But like Obama told Putin, hey, after the elections... Uh, I can soften my position. Uh, it's kind of the same idea here. So um, what is the idea between this quadrangle? I mean, this quad laser. I mean, this quad nation. I mean, you know, this whole meeting that happened. Virtually speaking, between uh, President Select in his uh, pajama basement hangout and uh, other world leaders. You know, I'm not going to play any of the clips from this. Uh um, but let, let's just talk about some of the basics and then I'll tell you a little bit about my thoughts. But uh, basically, they met virtually again, the prime ministers, Australia, Japan and India and Grandpa Joe here to talk about Russian hacking, to talk about Chinese hacking and also in general, the four nations policy towards China, um, but also to talk about climate change and COVID-19. Um, but one thing that was of interesting note is that a lot of people made it very apparent that the meeting of these four nations in consideration of China is not like a NATO meeting. Uh, in other words, none of these four nations pictured in this meeting have any um, obligation to defend each other in regards to the China threat. But it's more about economics. It's more about uh, uh, having each nation help each other economically. 
how, um, I don't know, I don't know how the, uh, uh, crown, we have a, a crown colony over here, we have the crown colony, I mean, for the lack of a better word, they crapped all over India for so long, and then there's Japan. Then there's Japan. So, I don't know, we'll see, uh, what it says, but it does say here, let's see, Ned Price, who is a State Department spokesman, said, it was established not to counter on a single threat or to focus on a single issue, but to showcase what democracies can deliver together, both for our own population and for the broader world, um, abroad, and, uh, it does show how, um, again, like I was saying, in regards to Biden and his, um, duplicity, in with uh, uh, with uh, China in regards to foreign policy, you know he goes real soft. But if you know his current Secretary of State, Antony Blinken, Antony Blinken in any regard to China, especially in the press, seems to be going very hard on them. Like Antony Blinken pressed China on the whole Uyghur or Uyghur, um, the Muslim genocide that's happening in China, uh, and really brought it to the attention. And that's not to the credit of Antony Blinken. That's not to the credit of the uh, illegitimate Biden administration. I'm just trying to, um, I'm just trying to illustrate how the media uses Antony as a tool to make it look like Biden is going hard on China when Biden in face is not going hard on China at all. Antony Blinken said, the more China hears not just our opprobrium, but a chorus of opprobrium from around the world, the better the chance that we'll get some changes. It would be very important if China claims that there is nothing going on, that it gives access to the international community, to the United Nations. And you see here, Antony Blinken is calling for the United Nations to get involved. Um, I mean, none of us should really want to get involved in a conflict with China, period. Uh, I mean, uh, far be it that they... Uh, well, Trump was already had already set into place, uh, I think, a pathway, as the popular phrasing is now, uh, for um, China to no longer be considered a major threat or even to for there to be a threat of uh, uh, some type of um, altercation between the two countries. But who am I to say for sure I'm not an expert on what's going on behind the scenes in China, but compared to what Joe Biden is doing, I would say um, Trump was doing aces. So, but here, Antony Blinken wants the United Nations to get involved. Uh, if they have anything to hide, he says, sh uh, show it to us. Show the world. So Blinken's going hard on China. And I think it really is just optics to say face for Biden. Um, because after all, Biden, he's a lost cause. The partnership is not a new NATO. Um, this is from Jake Sullivan, the White House National Security Advisor. He says the group's focus and goals are centered around economic partnership, as I had said. And now Sullivan and Blinken will be meeting their Chinese counterparts in Alaska. So I guess uh, they'll be having a face-to-face, -face, whereas uh, these individuals had a virtual meeting. Uh, they, say, they say Kamala Harris met with her counterparts as well. But um, as I saw it, Kamala was looming over illegitimate Joe at this meeting before. Now, some of, uh, some of the comic particulars of this, uh, this meeting, uh, Mr. Biden doodled. <laughs> Mr. Biden doodled, and I think he was quite humored by the accents. Uh, he, he looked giddy as a child who, who had to hold back a laugh or maybe a fart, especially when... Um, <laughs> 
especially when the Indian prime minister was talking. It, it made me think of that. It made me think of that racist joke that President Select Joe Biden told one time about having to literally need to speak Indian or have an accent like them to go ahead and shop in their convenient quickie marks. Right. <laughs> he was he was uh, he was holding back a laugh on that one. Um, but uh, interestingly enough, <laughs> the prime minister of India, <laughs> when uh, addressing President Select illegitimate Joe Biden, <laughs> called him Joe. <laughs> now, you know, if you go and you speak in front of an audience of Chinese and they start laughing at you, you might have lost their respect. If a world leader, especially one that believes in karma as much as India does, and I'm just being stupid here, but refers to uh, the world power, uh, the, uh, you know, the world leader of all things um, as Joe instead of President Biden or President Joe Biden or Mr. President, but just Joe and then Prime Minister Morrison. Actually, he kind of he kind of massacred Prime Minister Morrison's name. I don't blame him. I think he did a much better job with the Prime Minister of China. But Joe, Joe, (laughs) I mean, to me, that was telling. But uh, I don't know. I I don't think that that's something that is made in error. And uh, I mean, Australia, like I said, Crown Colony, those guys are poisoned down there, too. Maybe he uh, befuddled the Crown Colony uh, prime minister's name as well. Because after all, Scott and Joe, you can't get much easier than that when it comes to single syllable names. All right, so uh, that's basically what was going on. If there's any more developments out of that, we will inform. But that's what Joe is up to, having a virtual pajama party with three other nations. And uh, and uh, they say they're not angling hard on China, but I don't know. Only time will tell for sure. All right, let's see what we going, we got going on here. Okay, so now, my friends, it is time for the Cuomo nipple rings. <laughs> okay, Cuomo, Cuomo, Cuomo. Oh, Mr. Cuomo. He's had so much going on. Um, I mean, to me, this is really just starting to seem like a really big kind of... Uh, now... Now, now, I have to be careful here, right? Because I don't want to offend the Me Too movement. But because, you know, if and, and especially in the most recent case regards to Cuomo, because what was going on with Cuomo? He had like, what, one woman and then it became two women and then it became three women and it's up to seven now. And the sixth woman says that he actually reached under her blouse and follow, fondled her teat or teats. I don't know. I, I, I didn't get if it was a plural or not on that one. But, I, I mean, this is bad. Like, this is, the police are saying now he may be facing criminal charges. Oh, wait, what? Cuomo is going to face criminal charges for copying a feel, albeit it might have been skin to skin, which, I mean, if someone grabbed my man boob, I would, you know, I, 
I would probably be shocked. I would probably be startled. But he's... Uh, and, and this is the police, mind you. The police are saying Cuomo is facing charges. They're like, Cuomo, you touched a woman's teat. You know, you went too far. Oh, wait, but what about all of those nursing home COVID deaths that happened? Can we get a round of crickets here? Sorry, guys, I don't have a sound effect for crickets, but that's basically what the scene was in New York. I mean, okay, we have we have the families of the um, victims due to uh, Cuomo's COVID mandate. We've reviewed the mandate here on the C-Report. People are now reviewing that mandate at nauseum and at large. Um, This man, I I mean, okay. Okay, I'm not going to spoil the story. I'm not going to get ahead of myself. But this man, this man successfully killed more people than those who perished in the 9-11 terrorist attacks in New York City. And the police are saying that he should go to jail for fondling a teat. Like, that's... uh, (laughs) um, Does the term ass backwards come to you? (laughs) Because it comes to mine. Now, no one is saying throw Cuomo in jail for killing, oh, I don't know, 15,000 New York, you know, uh, people, citizens, humans, you know, and we, we, we uh, shared clips of the press conference that some of these individual individuals had, you know, and, and outright so, like, to their point, Cuomo even said that there was a possibility that, uh, you know, asymptomatic COVID patients could spread COVID. He even knew that there was the possibility. And then, weeks later, he goes and he blames the staff of the nursing homes. And he goes and he blames the experts. But all of that snowballs because you cannot escape. Uh, the, I mean, the only thing that we're missing here, I think, in this case is his intention. If any of the uh, communications that were sent between his staff and the nursing home staff and his administration, uh, which were subpoenaed, had shown intention, can you imagine? I mean, maybe because they didn't have that. That's why they're spinning this uh, whole Me Too. Cuomo is a pervert. Uh, Cuomo is a uh, teat grabber. Cuomo wears nipple rings and wants to give you a shot in the arm. Yeah, that's pretty crazy. But, um, you know, what What else is going on with Cuomo up to this point? Because this has really snowballed on him. Like, like Cuomo has really became, become, Cuomo has become a poster child for pain with, you know, the Punisher face on it. Like, drip, drip, Cuomo. <laughs> And then every turn he takes, every turn he takes, every move he makes, he is uh, basically, he's basically um, cut off. He's basically headed off at the front by another, another such uh, uh, indiscretion. Uh, uh, Because he, what, manipulated nursing home data, right? Death toll near 3,000. It's over. So 40% more than he had actually reported. Then what happens? His book publisher stops promoting the book. Finally, because what? What was his book? How he was such an angelic and savior. How he was the pro on how to lead the COVID, uh, uh, the COVID, uh, um, 
fight to make sure that no one else was getting it in their cities. This was the model governor for everyone to follow. And I think maybe only Governor Whitmer might have done a little bit better than Governor Cuomo. But I get ahead of myself. So um, people are calling for Cuomo to resign. And uh, in the latest breaking with Cuomo, he has said he is not going to resign. Now, Now, what else was snowballing on Cuomo? Lawmakers on both sides demanding his resignation. Legislature, les, legislators openly um, 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 calling for and opening inquiries for impeachment on him. The New York Attorney General conducting an independent investigation, her office itself. 55% of New York lawmakers demanding his resignation, and those are New York State lawmakers. And then you have your New York State congressional uh, representative delegates, the heavy hitters, like like uh, Waddles Nadler. Waddles Nadler is calling for Cuomo to resign. Uh, um, Alexandria Occasional Cortex is calling for Cuomo to resign. Not that we really care, but this is the left eating its own. And this is, uh, I don't know. I mean, what is, I, I think that they are more, I think, I think the left, I think they're in damage control and they're more thinking about uh, trying to get him out of the spotlight with the COVID deaths, because that's probably going to come back on a lot more people than just Cuomo by throwing out all of these um, <clears throat> Me Too shenanigans. But like I said, the police are more concerned with him and this sixth victim than they are with all of the families who are crying for justice tonight in the state of New York. Cuomo just said, let's uh, move the investigation forward because he says he was elected by the people, mind you. He was elected by the people. I'm willing to bet that uh, his election probably did also have a lot to do with some, I don't know, software that might have been uh, able to manipulate votes. So regardless, um, that whole election was probably illegal, just like uh, all of 2020, with the exception of Trump, because he actually did win what he said he won. Um, it's a shame, but it's true. He did, and everyone else, it's basically a sham across all 50 states. Uh, let's see, he said, he, oh, let's, okay, before, before I get into this bit, because we're going to take a little, it's a trip that maybe some of y'all won't want to take, but let's, let's listen first to what Cuomo had to say. Uh, Cuomo actually said some stuff. He gave a uh, news presser um, over the phone um, and talked a little bit about his current situation. So uh, let's see what Killer Cuomo, Killer Cuomo Andrew, governor of New York, had to say. Difference between playing politics, bowing to counsel, cancel culture, and the truth. People know the difference between playing politics, bowing to cancel culture, and the truth. Let the review proceed. I'm not going to resign. I was not elected by the politicians. I was elected by the people. Part of this is that I am not part of the political club. And you know what? I'm proud of it. Uh, this is all that I'm going to say on this topic at this time. I made a promise to the people of the state. I have a job to do. 
I've been doing it for 11 years. This is probably the most critical time in the state's history. Uh, everything that I have learned, the federal government, as attorney general, as governor, uh, I am bring, bringing to the table at this moment. We have a budget due in two weeks for a state that is in fiscal crisis. It will be the most difficult budget we have done. We have to perform 15 million vaccinations. And we have to be ready on May 1 for eligibility for the entire state. Never been done before. And then we have to rebuild our state from the bottom up because we have serious issues all across the state, uh, especially in New York City. That is my job. That's why I was elected. That's what I am supposed to do. And that is exactly what I'm going to focus on. Uh, for the people of the state, look, they have known me for 40 years. They elected me attorney general. They elected me governor three times. All right. And that was uh, Governor Cuomo, Killer Cuomo. Yes, nipple rings Cuomo. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I loved. I I love I love the gangsta nicknames. I love the gangsta nicknames because that's what these people are. They're gangsters. That's what Donald Trump did. He named them all like gangsters, like a uh, crying Chuck Schumer. And uh, well, I have hoods Pelosi, and now we have nipple rings Cuomo or Killer Cuomo, Killer Cuomo. You know, there's a uh, but all of those governors are killers. Yeah, <laughs> but that's what uh, that's what he had to say. I thought that that was most interesting. So that is the breaking news. He's not going to resign. He's going to fight it. Let's go ahead and, uh, bam, he's not going to fight it. He's going to, gonna, he's going to, because he says that, uh, I, I guess, I mean, he's, he's claiming that he's innocent, you know, he's, he's claiming he's innocent, but here's something that I found interesting about Cuomo. He made an interesting statement in this. And, and I wonder if he's really just playing up, um, playing up some sort of like bleeding heart, like uh, a commentary here that he's trying to to dream up in in the minds of everyone that uh, is hearing this story. He says he says he's not a member of the politicians club. This here, Governor Andrew Cuomo, is not a member of the politicians club, and that's why he's being attacked. Because uh, I guess apparently apparently he's a victim in all of this, and that's what we have to take away, uh, according to him. So. So uh, it's going to play through. Um, it sounds like uh, uh, New York State Attorney General Letitia James is going to have her investigation. We'll see where that goes, you know, because she's also after Trump, too. I don't know. And then um, uh, he's also going to have now seven, seven women have come forward against nipple rings Cuomo, killer Cuomo of New York State. But uh, I just wanted to put I just want to, to correct a statement here in regards to Cuomo. Let the record reflect that Governor Cuomo is indeed a member of the Politicians Club. He has been the governor of New York for what? Nigh on a decade, if not more. But what, 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 what's this? Did we not know who Cuomo's father was? <laughs> uh, governor Mario Cuomo, um, Governor of New York from 1983 until 1994, 
For 11 years, Governor Mario Cuomo resided as the governor of New York State. Now, Governor Mario Cuomo has passed away. And um, <clears throat> for someone who's not a member of the politician's club, um, and, you know, I guess the good old boys club, he sure did get some pretty high-profile uh, politicians to visit or pay their respects to his father, including Bill and Hillary Clinton, Chuck Schumer, Rudy Giuliani, Chris Christie, Mayor de Blasio, and Bloomberg. Let's uh, let's review. Let's just take a look a little bit about some of Cuomo's uh, father, Mario Cuomo, just so you can see a little bit about him. This man who's trying to play victim here. Uh, this uh, clip here is in regards to his father's funeral. Short short clip. Tuesday at a funeral service at St. Ignatius Loyola Church on Manhattan's Upper East Side. Those in attendance included the three-term governor's widow, Matilda, and son Andrew Cuomo, the current governor of New York. Mario Cuomo, a towering figure in democratic politics, died January 1st at his Manhattan home. He was 82. Andrew Cuomo eulogized his father in an emotional 40-minute address. At his core, at his best, he was a philosopher, and he was a poet, and he was an advocate, and he was a crusader. Mario Cuomo was the keynote speaker for our better angels. He was there to make the case, to argue, to convince, and in that pursuit, he could be a ferocious opponent or a powerful ally. Dozens of politicians paid their respects, including former President Bill Clinton, former Secretary of State Hillary Clinton, New York City Mayor Bill de Blasio and his wife Shirlane McRae, and former mayors Michael Bloomberg and Rudolph Giuliani. On Monday, more than a thousand mourners attended Mario Cuomo's wake, including Vice President Joe Biden and New Jersey Governor Chris Christie. Come on, man! At a time when people didn't have hope, in New York and in the country in a lot of ways. Hey, Chuck used to moisturize back then. Andrew Cuomo gave his first remarks about his father's death on Saturday, saying, there is a hole in my heart that I fear is going to be there forever. So, uh, yeah, most definitely uh, Mario Cuomo had some involvement with... Uh, the politician scene there you saw you saw that turn out so yeah so interestingly enough uh i mean uh, history on mario cuomo the father of andrew cuomo prior to that um his parents were immigrants first generation into america so he was the first born into america from his family so prior to that not much in politics but this man had a very, very, very uh, heavy and memorable uh, stance in the development of New York throughout those times. I mean, he was the governor for 11 years. One other thing I found interesting about Mario Cuomo, um, and I will share a little bit of this clip here. I hope I got it at the right spot. Uh, in regards to the death penalty, uh, Mario Cuomo was very much against the death penalty, just like most Democrats are these days. Um, very interesting. Um, let's see here. Let me just go ahead and play this clip and see where where it picks up. I'm George Pataki, good man, a good friend, and so on. Um, and and uh, took over and instantly said that the death penalty was back 
as far as he was concerned, and he was sending this man to Oklahoma to be disposed of. Um, and he did. But before the guy was executed in Oklahoma, he wrote a little note that was published in the New York Post. And it said, tell Cuomo, I'd rather be uh, killed in, in Oklahoma than have to live a life behind bars. And he was only doing 35 years. And that's the general feeling. They don't want to. I did three murder cases as a young Oh, okay, so that's an interesting part. No, uh, earlier up in here, and this guy that is interviewing him is a total sick fat. Um, he, he basically just goes off onto this tailspin about the death penalty. that has nothing to do with the question. States of America took the place with violence than anything this good now. Now, is our national bloodlust any less now? than before. Why now, Governor? Yeah, that's that's what it was. Well, you you asked a really um, charged question with uh, how you finished that sentence, and you said um, bloodlust now. The truth is that one of the things that troubles me about this greatest of nations, and it is that, um, and I know it as well as anybody because I was I have been one of the lucky sons of immigrants, et cetera, et cetera. And it is a marvelous place, and there's never been anything this good. On the other hand, we've had a couple of very strong weaknesses, I think. One of them is a passion for violence. We were born in violence. The first people who came before there was a United States. So, yes, he goes into this long diatribe about violence and really never talks about uh, America having a bloodlust for the death penalty. But ultimately, uh, it's just so... It's just so when they get taken down for treason, uh, if there's no death penalty, at least they can wait it out and see if their guys get in to save their asses. But that's not going to be the case. Who is this? woman here whose head is as big as a cow this is none other than gretchen whitmer so we're gonna follow up on uh this kind of a story real quick uh as a follow-up to cuomo's story because again hot on the trails of the cuomo and the covid nursing home death scandal we have uh this scandal taking place in four other states um one other state in particular has become active in seeking out uh Information in regards to their governor's edicts or their mandates uh, about COVID-19 and nursing homes, etc. So now we have Gretchen, Gretchen, Gretchen Whitmer of Michigan coming under fire um, because she refuses to release the data in regards to nursing home deaths and COVID-19 um, from said time. Now, Cuomo... Uh, managed to kill, you know, more people than uh, those who perished in the 9-11 terrorist attacks. And uh, he, uh, he, um, he put a moratorium on the edict or the mandate that said that COVID patients should be accepted into the nursing homes back in May of 2020. So for what, two full months, he had COVID patients running in and out of nursing homes, uh, you know, uh, much to the detriment of the uh, population and the residency there. And uh, that many people died. Well, Gretchen Whitmer never 
revoked that mandate. It still stands to this day, as far as we know. So one has to wonder how many people, in fact, might have perished with botched numbers that she refuses to release and has been sued over by a reporter. Hmm, Gretchen, Gretchen, Gretchen. Well, this just in. Oh, my goodness. Did Gretchen Whitmer, in fact, pay nursing homes, pay nursing homes to accept COVID positive patients and other irregular patients into their facilities? And of course, by irregular, we mean uh, the types of patients that would not normally be housed in a nursing home facility for the elderly care and rehabilitation. Um, a woman by the name of Tudor Dixon, who is a host on the show Real America's Voice, which is um, a show that comes out, I think, on one of Bannon's networks, uh, claims that Governor of Michigan, killer Gretchen Whitmer, incentivized nursing home facilities to take in COVID-positive patients and others who were not normal patients of nursing home uh, facilities, citing that there was an accident where an autistic man beat an elderly resident and that elderly resident later died. Now, Governor Whitner, Whitmer, as I said, does refuse to hand over her COVID mandates and she is currently being sued. So this is a, this is a pretty interesting turn of events here. Now, I don't think any of Cuomo's mandates worked out a deal to where, you know, um, he'd pay the nursing homes to accept those patients. But we do know that the federal government was offering hospitals money for every COVID case that was assigned or turned in. So there's no telling. I mean... Maybe the nursing homes refused and she knew they would get federal money if uh, there were a high number of COVID cases. So maybe she paid them off. So this way she could get that federal money and uh, maybe just trickle it down a little bit to the nursing homes to accept those COVID patients. Oh, but it was all political. They did it because Donald Trump was going to attack them and use COVID against them if the numbers weren't strong enough. It's exactly what... Uh, Melissa DeRosa said, uh, Cuomo's aid, it became political because Trump might use it against us. And we have to do everything, including lie and kill people to defeat orange man bad. Well, we'll see if this catches up to the likes of Gretchen Whitmer. All right, next up in the news, everyone wants to know, we're printing money. Print that money, make that money, spend that money. All right, we have the stimulus checks. Everyone wants to know about the stimulus checks. Uh, okay, so yes, Sleepy Joe, Creepy Joe, illegitimate Joe Biden did sign into law this $1.9 trillion pig pork stimulus pack that uh, stimulus um, act that will only benefit the Americans up to 9% of the entire budget that is being... Uh, uh, taken away from the uh, taxpayer base that is this country. 
Um, we are going to have to deal with the flipping this bill later on. But of course, Janet Yellen, current head of the Treasury, who used to be the uh, what head of the uh, Federal Reserve um, and, and is now at the Treasury because the Federal Reserve was taken in to the Treasury and uh, they need to control the money flow somehow. Um, Janet says, hey, it's OK. Uh, we, we print enough money not to worry about this you know, deficit today, but later on when we need to, we'll, we'll, uh, we'll take care of it. But, uh, uh, never mind that. Let's, let's talk a little bit about what everyone cares. Let's talk about those stimulus checks. COVID-19 relief package. Oh, guess what? Stimulus, uh, checks are going to be hitting those bank accounts this week. And in fact, I know people who have already received their stimulus, not I, because the government hates me. They're not going to give me any money. Uh, tax increase will come when money is needed for priorities. That's what she's saying. Uh, because as of right now, the Fed is not going to increase taxes or interest rates. But when they need to, they will. And when they do, that's probably when we're going to see the economy buckle. But anyways, um, it, this COVID stimulus relief package will include money for rental assistance, homeowner assistance, vaccination support and uh, to help them open schools and much quickly er uh something that most people will probably be happy about $300 weekly unemployment so uh every week if you're not employed and you qualify you will get $300 and also there will be an expansion of the child tax credit uh vaccination distribution there will also be money for that in there and also money to bail out local and state governments who you know sucked during this entire COVID close-up that happened. Uh, But yeah, that's kind of some of the things that Yellen's talking about here and what's going to be included in the package. Now, uh, interesting to note what it's supposed to be $1,400. If you haven't filed your taxes, uh, I have heard rumor that based on whatever your return is, that will be deducted from the $1,400 that you are getting for the stimulus check. So have fun with that, America. All right, that's what's going on with the stimulus. I just thought I'd let you guys know because I'm sure y'all wanted to know, America. All right, what the heck is Hoods Pelosi doing on my screen? Hoods Pelosi. She's breaking some news. Okay, so this 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 story is kind of fun. Well, no, it's not fun. It is a follow-up, though, to a story that I talked about a little bit earlier in the week. Um, Hoods Pelosi has made a call that she's willing to overturn she's willing to overturn the Republican win in the Iowa district that's uh, I think it was district 2 or district 3 do you guys kind of remember what I'm talking about yes i am talking about the case of the inevitable marionette miller meeks versus the indomitable rita hart over in iowa where two warring karens of the democrat and the republican party are going head to head uh let's see uh, a- as we recall uh republican winner marionette miller meeks won the competition by 6 votes after a recount and now sore loser democrat rita hart is calling on her uh, Democrat strong house to uh, flip this vote. And I guess it seems that Nancy Pelosi is uh, willing to capitulate. We have uh, one Rita Hart. 
let's get the let's get the contenders on the screen. In this corner, Karen number one, Rita Hart. Dun dun dun. Now this is the this is the Democrat crybaby who wants uh, Hoods Pelosi to turn over the vote for her. Rita Hart, you indeed are a sore loser. All right, you follow you follow your mentor Hillary Clinton well, and then in the other corner we have the Republican, Marionette Melamix. She's like, oh my, oh my word, Karen, and she's like, I told you, I told you, Karen, I'm the one who win, and we are going to get Hoods Pelosi, and she's like, no, no my, oh, be still, my heart, Marionette Melamix says. I won this competition fair and square. Okay. All right. Let's get to the article. The article in regards to Marinette Miller-Meeks, Hoods Pelosi, and Rita Hart. This article comes from um, Jack Phillips. The Democrat-run House of Representatives is... (laughs) That, yeah. (laughs) That did not sound right. Representatives is open to overturning a tight Republican victory in an Iowa congressional district, said Speaker Hoods Pelosi, Democrat of California, on Thursday. Representative Marionette Miller-Meeks defeated Democrat Rita Hart by six votes during the November 3rd election. When asked about a scenario in which Democrats would unseat Miller-Meeks, Pelosi said it was a hypothetical situation, but later said it's possible that it could happen. Well, I respect the work of the committee, she told reporters in her weekly press conference. I did see, as you saw in the press, what they decided to, and they were following my, as I read it, the requirements of the law as to how you go forward. And how you go forward is the path you're on, and we'll see where that takes us. Okay, so she just said a whole lot of nothing in that statement. But there could be a scenario to that extent, yes. It came after the House Committee on the House Administration dismissed a motion filed by Miller-Meeks to dismiss Hart's election contest. The margin separating the two candidates was only six votes out of almost 400,000 cast, less than one-sixth of one percent. That's six votes, not 6,000, not 600, not 16, or even 16 or 60, or even 16, just six fewer votes than we have members of this committee. Representative Zoe Lofgren of California said the head of the committee told the panel members. She added, it should not be surprising that any candidates in these circumstances with a margin this close would seek to exercise their rights under the law to contest the results. Representative Brian Stile um, of Wisconsin said he supports the move to dismiss the contest, noting that Miller-Meeks has been the certified winner. Miller-Meeks has won. Let's get Miller-Meeks on the screen. Miller-Meeks has won the election. The majority of Iowa has fairly elected their representative. The Democrat Party majority in Washington should not stand in the way and delay this process any longer and spend taxpayer money on unnecessary illegal fees, he said. Under the Federal Contested Elections Act of 1969, the House has the ability to decide close congressional races on its own aside from the courts. Consistent with these Supreme Federal Election Law and Policy, Legislative Procedure, and Court Rulings, the House, in considering contested elections, constitutional provisions regarding congressional authority, has at times accepted state counts, recounts, or other state over House elections and membership, according to a readout of the Act. The House hasn't reversed the seating of a state-certified election winner in that manner since 1985, when then-Speaker of the House Tip O'Neill 
approved tossing out Republican Representative Rick McIntyre, who had been officially seated and instead accepted the incumbent Democrat, Representative Frank McCloskey. All right. So that's what's going on there. We'll let you know what happens. I guess uh, Marionette Miller-Meeks already contested. And Pelosi saying, who knows? Maybe we'll get away with it. Who's that? Oh, my God. Okay. Uh, looks like uh, we may be closing up the Sea uh, Report tonight with a story about this figurative and imaginative organization that only exists in the minds of people as a thought, an idea, a theory, not as an actual sentient organization that has, you know, uh, members and, uh, um, you, you know, uh, branches of membership, etc. Uh, let's, let's put some pictures of these folk, these kinfolk on the screen. Now, this is Antifa. The anti-fascist organization. I'm going to show you some photos of these like-minded individuals that happen to populate together at random times of, of theory and imagination. Uh, there's Antifa there. Here's another group. You might, you might recognize these individuals. You might say, like, I've seen these ninja people somewhere before. I, I thought they were Trump supporters because they're anti-fascist. Ah, just kidding. You know that they are not Trump supporters because obviously every liberal in the world thinks that uh, Trump is a fascist. But yeah, 10 years strong, this Rose City Antifa, this attempt for 10 years, this organization that does not exist. Oh, uh, uh, they have uh, been ruining lives, uh, at least at the time of this. It says since 2007. Here, let me take this banner off so you can see it real quick. Ruining lives since 2007 for 10 years at this point. Now, what's that? Uh, uh, that puts us at what? 17, 21, 14 years now they've been ruining the lives of people. And how nice for an anti-fascist organization to ruin lives. I mean, you would think if they're anti-fascist, they were actually bettering lives or like improving the lives of the community. But I guess that's just not their modus operandi. Um, but let's see here. This uh, Antifa people. Do we have any more? Oh, no, no. Actually, the whole reason for sharing these uh, images of this organization that exists only in the minds of paranoid conservatives is because these guys have once again uh, set uh, federal property ablaze. I mean, if it's not one thing, it's another. They're, they're out in Portland again because this is the only place that they can get away with it. I don't know what the soy content or the atrazine content of the water and the milk and the espresso in Portland is, but these soy boys are out of control. Antifa in Portland, Oregon set federal courthouse on fire. They break windows. Uh, the police actually had to engage here, and we do have some videos, so uh, I'll play some of that while we are uh, talking a little bit about this incident here. Let's go ahead and expand that, and uh, I don't think we need any volume, really, because it's just, you know, street noises. But uh, here, as you can see, we do have a uh, fire blazing. Uh, they set a building, uh, they set a, they removed some plywood from a building, I guess, on a federal courthouse. There were people inside the courthouse at the time of this fire. I think that's probably the most important thing to note, because apparently some of our Democrat, liberal, and progressive lawmakers up in Washington, D.C. don't think that this is a terrorist attack if it's uh, after the hour of 5 p.m. and there's no one inside the federal courthouse building. Go figure, you know, 
go figure. But uh, there were people inside the courthouse at the time of this blaze. It wasn't a big one, but look at that. If uh, that uh, if that uh, phalanx of uh, guards had not come out at that time, there's no telling what could have happened. Uh, here's uh, some of the police engaging Antifa. Antifa, as we like to call them in the streets. Oh. Now, uh, this would be the um, Federal Protective Services using tear gas and making arrests on Antifa. Now, this is an organization that's been doing this in Portland and Washington. We've reported it also um, on Q&A Holes podcast in the four. I did a special report on life in Portland uh, back in the summertime uh, because this is also something that's not being reported by the legacy media, corporate media, this, the, the corporate six news outlets, I guess you could call them. The uh, mainstream media, MSNBC, CNN, they're not letting you see this activity that is happening and has been occurring. And this is even after Democrats have taken Washington, D.C. by force and by coup. This is even after. But, you know, um, and now these people are upset because, uh, you know, um, uh, come on, man, malarkey, illegitimate Joe and George Soros didn't pay them their money. And uh, these people really wanted to bring down America you know, at the root, not just one particular, you know, political party. And, uh, now they're, they're, uh, they're not going to let, I, I mean, it seems like they don't want to become the next victim of the Democrat liberal, um, cannibal machine as that is what they tend to do. But, uh, yeah, that's some of what was going on in Portland. We got some more for you. It's not over. It's never over with these silly ninjas known as Antifa. That's them making arrests there. It's just it's just showing these uh, agents uh, smoke bombs, making arrests. Uh, 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 um, they're arresting imaginary people. These cops are arresting imaginary people. So I guess these uh, federal agents are LARPing against imaginary Antifa. Um, they're hunting them down and arresting them. <laughs> it, are they crazy? Are they uh, are they out of their minds? <laughs> they're fighting imaginary people. These and these uh these cops, the Antifa, they're not real. Antifa don't exist. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that wraps it up for the Friday edition of the Sea Report. I hope you guys had a great time and uh, you know, this news here. We'll see what happens. I mean, we will see what happens. But uh, anything exciting going on this evening? Well, I mean, not this evening, on this weekend. We will be back, Q&A Host Podcast, on YouTube. So uh, if you're here with us on Twitch, well, join us anyway. So, But I, I believe we're going to try our hand at making a... Um, a little bit of a spot on YouTube tomorrow night on Saturday. Uh, also dropping a special report you guys will not want to miss. Uh, we are striking back here at Q&A Holes Podcast. It sounds like it's going to be a fun time, so you don't want to miss it. Let your friends know. Um, otherwise, check out Q&A Holes Podcast. Uh, get in touch with me here at the Seaport via the podcast. Let me know what you think about the show, what you'd like to see. And if there are any stories that you'd like me to follow up on, I will most definitely do my diligence 
to uh, see what we can get cranking here at the Seat Report. All right, guys, y'all have a great evening. Again, thank you for joining us tonight. We'll be back again next week. And uh, again, make sure you subscribe to Q&A Holes Podcast on any of your favorite podcast players so you never miss a show from any of the programming coming out from Q&A Holes Podcast. And uh, again, my name is Mr. C. Y'all have a great night, and we will see you next time. Thank <laughs> you.